Alright, if you have your Bible, open up to Luke 15. If you have your Bible, open up to Luke 15. Luke 15. Today we're going to talk about grace. Now, grace is sometimes misunderstood in church. Sometimes you go to church, people say, hey man, the grace of God is yours. They're like, okay, cool. What is grace? They're like, well, what it is, is an unmatched forgiveness. What else is grace? Tell me. Somebody tell me. Fluidity and motion. Is what? Fluidity and motion. Fluidity and motion. All right. Graceful movements. What else? What is grace? Not falling over your hips. Not falling over. Ben? Grace is forgiveness now and forgiveness through the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You got it. Forgiveness now and forgiveness for the rest and through your life. Does that mean if I ask forgiveness right now and I go out and I kill somebody, does that mean I can be forgiven? Okay, why is that? Grace is undeserved favor. Remember that. Grace is undeserved favor. Now, there is a person in the Bible, his name is Paul, and people in the church, when it first started, began to talk about Jesus all the time. And this guy named Paul was a Pharisee. So he had the old law, and the old law, the people who were in the old law were Pharisees, and what they did was they took Jesus and they crucified him. So that's where he died. And these are people from the original church. Now, the church that we do now is the church that is of the way, which is from Jesus Christ. We serve Jesus Christ. This guy used to kill us. His name was Paul, and he wrote a lot of the Old Testament. So what happens is God comes and he visits him, and then he has this encounter with Jesus, and he begins to serve Jesus. Why? What happened there between that visitation with the Lord? Because Brian for three days, and he had grace. Grace is patience whenever nobody else has patience. Grace is forgiveness whenever nobody else is going to forgive. But it also, it isn't this agape, sloppy, nasty little, hey, everybody, you want to have grace? Sure, I'll take some. Not a free get-out-of-jail card. But it's definitely the love of God that is undeserved. So if you sin, which is rebelling in God or against God, he says, I forgive you if you ask forgiveness. And that is his grace. So with that said, we're going to Luke 15, verse 1. Luke 15, verse 1. And the actual title of today's message is, When Grace Kisses You. All the guys say, ooh, that's scary. <laughs> when Grace Kisses You. And her name is not Grace. When Grace Kisses You. Verse, chapter 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Talking about Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. The people who are in the church, and I don't want to paint a bad picture about church people because they already have a bad picture painted about them plenty of times by many people. But these are the people who are in church who are saying, look, we're obeying the law and the word of God. And what it says is that these sinners and these tax collectors, they cannot encounter God. I don't know if they believe in Jesus at this point. A couple of Pharisees did. But at this point, they're saying, Jesus, how dare you even talk to the tax collector? which nowadays would be a politician because they're schemers. And I'm not saying they all are, but I'm saying a lot of them are. And so they say, don't even talk to those Pharisees. Or don't even talk to those tax collectors. And he said, all right, the Pharisees are getting mad because they're talking to sinners now, Jesus. Why are you hanging out with them? Now let's go to verse 11. It says, and this is what Jesus, and I was praying about this message, and I didn't realize that he was talking to the tax collectors and the sinners when he talked about this parable, which is a story. And in verse 11 it says, then he said, a certain man had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me, which is his inheritance. And he divided them to his livelihood. Verse 13 says, And now many days after the younger son gathered all together, which is all of his inheritance, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, which also could be known as a slave in our days today. And he sent him into his field to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, when he understood is what that means, when he came to himself, his senses, he said, And how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. And I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is talking to the sinner. Now, Jesus is talking to a group of people who are sinners, which means they do not believe in God, which means that what God says, he says, don't do this. They said, okay, I want to do it anyway. So Jesus is saying, this is the God I serve. And he's talking about a father. And that is who he's talking about. The father in this description is God in heaven. And then the son in this description are all the girls and all the men who are listening to Jesus at that point. So with that said, he's saying, and... In verse 20, And he arose and came to his father when he was still a great way off. His father saw him, which is God. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in sight and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe. He said to his servants, Bring out the best robe. Put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Verse 24, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. I want to go back to verse 20. It says, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck, and kissed him. Now, today, when you go on a date, whenever you go hang out with your friends, they ask you, hey, man, did you kiss her? Why? Because that is a sign of intimacy. When I went to college, I'm not saying you guys can kiss each other, so you better not. But what I'm saying is, is that when you're married, man, when you start kissing, man, that is a sign of intimacy that that woman or that man saved for that person that they loved. Now, also, whenever you see somebody who is at college, like whenever I went to college, there is this group of Spanish people. And every time they came up to them to greet them, they didn't hug them. What they did was they walked up to them and kissed them on the cheek, on the right cheek and on the left cheek. And at first, I'm from this little white suburban family, and I saw this. I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, kissing each other on the cheek. I'm like, Lord Jesus, we're at a Bible college. What's going on? So I was like, 
well, I've got to ask somebody. So I asked one of my friends. They're like, oh, man, that's just a sign of greeting. I was like, well, I wouldn't mind being Spanish. <laughs> so what happened was they had that intimacy. They had that kiss. And most of the time it's touch cheeks. But a lot of them still kiss on the cheek. But what that is is saying, I welcome you. And that's saying, come on, this is intimacy. This is welcoming you. Here, come. And this is my welcome to you. So the son is one of the worst prodigal people. He runs away from God. He runs away from his father, which is what he's talking about, saying that these sinners, and he's talking to them, and I didn't know this, but whenever I was reading this, God really brought this to light, that he is speaking to those who do not know God, who do not know him as a father, but they know him as people today. If they walk into our church, and they come in, and it's, you know, we're singing worship songs, and there's no words on the screen, and people are just sitting around like, "Mm, Jesus, I love you, and we're like, what is going on? And walk in here, and they're like, these people are crazy. And if I was doing drugs, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, what they got? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they walk in here like, dude, these people are just weird. So they see, yeah, so they see that there is this, this crazy, what are they doing? What are they doing in here? And what they're doing is that they're spending time. And at this time, these people who are sinners and tax collectors did not know that kind of relationship with God. That God is right here. You might not see him, but God is right here at this point. And he wants to know you as his son and his daughter tonight. And as that happens, he begins to say, all right, there's some things in your life that needs to change. And he begins to take that out. And sometimes it's painful, but he begins to take it out. Or maybe there's something that needs to be in your life. Maybe you're trying to find love in all the wrong places, <laughs> as the song goes. And then you come here and you begin to experience, what is this? What is this This. I don't know, when I closed my eyes tonight and the worship was going, and I just felt like somebody's arms were around me. And I opened up my eyes and nobody was around. It wasn't this, this, you know, this person just bear-hugging me, but it was something. And that's the grace of God saying, come on, I want to love you tonight. In the purest and most holy form. Now, the first thing, if you take a notes, when grace kisses you, this prodigal son, what happened was he ran away from home. He ran away from home. Now, what I fear... As being a youth pastor, I know that there are many of you probably here tonight who are like, God, I can't wait to get to college. I just can't wait. There's going to be so many good-looking ladies. There's going to be booze. There's going to be parties. See, what this prodigal son did, he ran away from the accountability that was at home. Okay? Track with me. Is that he was at a place where his father was his accountability. His father was his daddy. So if he went around the corner and he was doing some stuff with his friends and his dad heard about it, he came home. Guess what? Dad knows. Or Uncle Joe knows. Or Uncle Susie, she knows. Not Uncle. <laughs> That's not good. Lord Jesus, wherever that came from, Holy Spirit. <laughs> but if you have an uncle whose name is Susie, he might want to hear him. <laughs> There's grace for that. <laughs> but the Lord does say repent. That was a crazy God. Thank you. Wow. All right. He sure does. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Say what? I don't know. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for humbling me. (laughs) But the the son left home. The son left home. And he came to a place where he took all of his money, all of his inheritance that his dad gave him. And he took that money and he began to be prodigal. The word prodigal actually means that he was frivolous and he got rid of his money without even thinking about it. 
And later in that chapter, his brother, who was his older brother, said that he played the harlot. And he took his money and he put it to different things. Maybe if he was at home, he might not spend on the same things. But he came to the place where he was so desperate that he began to sell himself as a slave just for some food. He went, I don't know who it was, but he said that he connected himself with the other person and he had to go for that person, go outside, go to the pig trough and take the pods. So he was desperate. And I'll tell you what, if you go into sin and you continue, if you want to go to parties, man, God bless you. I pray he protects you. But if you want to go to parties, I'll tell you what, it is a dangerous place. Because I have friends who have died after parties. And that's scary to me. And I love them a lot. But they passed away because they decided to go to a party and get drunk. And they went somewhere else and they got in a car wreck. So that breaks my heart. Because I know that that would take you to the lowest spots. Not because I don't want you to have fun. Man, I hope Christians begin to have parties. For real. Now, I don't like booze and alcohol, but some fun. Some real awesome fun. I don't even know how to explain it. But every time I get around my friends, we have a lot of fun. We eat food. We watch a good movie. And man, it's like, man, I had a good time tonight. And there is good, healthy parties that are Christians and people just want to love the Lord. People want to care about each other. But what happened here is that this prodigal son, he ran away from home. And he began to be at the place where he would even be a slave. Even a slave to live. So it brought him to the lowest place. And then it says that he, would, he had to have his fill of pods. Now a pod is whenever somebody takes their vegetables and they look at it and like, ew. There's some the nasty growing on this vegetable, and they put it in a bucket, and they would take that bucket, and they would take it out to these pigs, these swines, and these swines would eat anything. They didn't care if it tastes good; they would eat poop. That's disgusting. But swines are nasty. I'm telling you, these swines would eat anything. So they began to eat, and that's what he had to eat. Finally, he came to the place. He said, "You know what? I feel like a slave." I'm eating the nastiest food that I can possibly eat. Now, I have a brother. He's one year older than I am, and he's a lot buffer. Back in the day, he used to work out all the time. In his room, you walk in there, he had his bed, he had a bunch of his art drawings, and he did Taekwondo, and he was, nine, he was five foot nine, might be five foot eight. He kind of cheeks sometimes. But anyway, he had this, this bench, and it was one of them weightlifting benches, and it was a black one, and on the bottom of it, it had these bars that were holding up two legs, one on the front, one on the back, and it was holding up these two legs, and this bar was straight, and it was a square-shaped, and it was made out of metal. So whenever you would lay on the bench, and you begin to push up, you know, that heavy weight, and you're going, and your veins are popping out from every place, and you're pushing up this weight. It would keep you from falling over. So keep that in mind. My brother and my dad never had a good relationship. And one day, my room was next to my brother's room. And I heard people yelling and fighting. And you know when you hear a fight, you can tell because people are starting to use words they shouldn't. They're also raising their voices. And I'm like, oh, great. That's my brother and that's my dad. So I got up. I walked over to the doorway. Here's my doorway. And my brother's doorway is to my right. So I look in there, and I see my brother, red-faced, and he's yelling in front of my dad's face. And my dad is a little bit bigger, and he used to, he was like 350 pounds. So he's a strong man, too. That's how my brother got the muscles from. Not me, praise home. I don't know why, but it's okay. 
So I see them, and they're like two bulls just ready to fight. And they're being held back by something. And they're fighting. They say, oh, I'm going to fight you right now. They say, in other words, I'm just going to use those words. And they're yelling at each other. And I see my mom, and she's over there here to the side. And she's saying, stop it, guys. Stop it. Please stop. It's not worth it. And when you've been to a fight, you know when that instant hits, when fists start swinging, it's like, I don't get it. I don't even care about words anymore and all of a sudden fists start flying well my brother had enough and he pushed my dad as hard as he could my dad is a big man and he flew in the air <laughs> and I'm watching from the doorway like holy spirit what is going on and he flies in the air remember that bench on the bottom of the bench there's the squares that was a bar on both sides, one on the front, one on the back. And there was no protection on it. So if you hit it hard, it's going to rip your skin. So my dad falls straight onto the bench. He hits it with his knee, and it makes about a six to eight inch gash in his kneecap. And there's blood. But he didn't care because he was in rage. And he got up, and they were fighting again. And finally it came to the point to where my brother and my dad were fighting so much. Blood was all over the place. And my mom was upset. She said, stop it, guys, stop it. My brother quit. He said, I don't care about this family anymore. And he was 17 years old. Actually, he was 16 years old. Sorry, he was 16 years old. He said, I'm out of here. He walks out the door. He doesn't come back. And I'll tell you what, my brother was raised in church. Man, we went to all kinds of stuff together. He was my brother, and I love my brother today. He has been in jail. He has done cocaine. He has babies. I tell you what, God has saved him from death. But he left that house that day because he didn't care anymore. And he quit. And I tell you what, people leave the church. And it hurts every time I see friends who leave the church. And they leave the church, and they say, I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe because of something that happened. But i tell you what, when grace kisses you, that you come to the place where you find your dad again. And you find that it's God in heaven. And I know men mess up. And I'm not bashing my dad at all because I love my dad. I still call him. I still try to mend relationship, but he's really quiet. And that's hard for me. But I still love him with all my heart. Because when grace kisses you, I know that things will change. And I could never kiss my dad before, but I kiss him on the cheek. That's hard to know that him and my brother still fight. My brother lives in my family right now because he, can't, he couldn't find a job for a long time. And they're still bickering. It's sad. The second thing in this verse, it says that the father, that in verse 20, he was at the place where the son was like, okay, even a servant in my dad's house can have food enough to eat. I'm not even going to go back to ask to be a son. I have no money. I have nothing to offer. I wasted all my dad's money. So he goes back, and I just imagine dads and moms today who, man, when their kids leave the house and they didn't leave in the right circumstances, or when I have friends who leave church and they didn't leave the right circumstances because this is the church. This should be the house of the Lord. So, hello. <laughs> so what happens is, <laughs> just kidding. See, what happens is, is this. People leave the house. They leave the house of God, leave their parents' house, and those parents don't give up. 
Well, they're washing dishes, scrubbing those dishes, and they look out the window, hoping that their daughter's going to come down, come down the road, come down their driveway, and show up again. Because they have hope, and they don't give up. Romans 5 verse 8 says, Yet while you were yet a sinner. A sinner is a person who rebels against God. The Bible says that yet while you were a sinner, God loves you. That's grace. The Father never gave up. And that's to represent God in heaven. And these sinners, can you imagine them? These tax collectors, can you imagine them? And Jesus is talking, and he's talking to them. He said, and the father, he ran. He saw him in a distance, and he knew that was his son. How did he know? His posture. He knew, yeah, maybe his instinct. Maybe even when he saw him, he was like, I just know in my gut that that's my son. He said that he goes to his son, and he Wrap his arms around him. He says that, let me see, in verse 20, it says, he fell on his neck. You know what? I don't think he tripped. I think it was intentional. He fell on his neck, wrapped his arms around him, and began to kiss him. And began to kiss him. That's tough. Can you imagine that son? Like, wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that. You just kissed me. And even talking about it, whenever I was coming up with this message, to even have a title, When Grace Kisses You, and to talk about a father, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous because today when we talk about daddies kissing sons, we think, uh-oh, that's perversion. <laughs> a guy's a pervert. Or when dads kiss sons, you think, that's awkward. Because we don't see it today. We don't see grown men kissing grown sons. All right? It's kind of weird. But a lot of men of God that I've seen, they will go up to the son, give him a hug, and they will kiss him as a sign of affection. Especially if you're in a Latin area. I've seen a lot of Latin men kiss their sons who are older. So this dad had affection for them, and he kissed him, wrapped his arms around him, fell on his neck and kissed him. There's an old story about an old man. This old man had a bag of cement. He would go around and he'd say, Anybody want to buy a bag of cement? It will fix your family jars. And it will fix your broken hearts. And people would see him walking around with his bag of cement. And he'd say, Would you like to buy some cement? It will fix your family jars. And it will fix your broken hearts. People would look at him and say, Cement. Almost fell. Cement. That's not going to fix my broken heart. That's not going to fix my broken jars. And they would ridicule him, make fun of him. They'd be like, oh, there's that crazy old man. Walk around. Would you like to buy some cement? It's just some cement. And would you like to buy some for a couple pennies? People look at him and make fun of him. And the people who bought it, bought that bag of cement, opened it up and found in there on a little note. The word love. The word love. The cement was fixing their broken jars. To fix their broken hearts, they had love. This father was not just any average Joe. He wanted to love. He said, I don't care if you left. I'll tell you what, God does not care if you have left him. If you used to be a Christian and now you sit in this room, 
I don't know why you're here, but I'm happy you are. And you sit here and you're thinking to yourself, man, he yells a lot. <laughs> yeah, he yells a lot. Woo, all right. I worship, man. I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I know that there's a God in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> there's a God in heaven who is at the place where he is looking down the road saying, come back to me. And he is never giving up. He is never giving up on you. Because he wants to kiss you with love. And today, I tell you what, the kiss has been perverted. And God wants to kiss you with purity. He wants to wrap his arms around you and love on you. You know what? That's all I want every time we come to a service tonight. Every time we get together, I love hanging out with you guys. But what I want the most is to close my eyes and feel God's presence. Because I know what it does to me. It fills my heart with a love that has been absent. Because His grace, when I was yet a sinner, came in and He loved me. When I was the kid in the back of the youth group, who was the pastor's kid, I mean, I thought I knew everything, I sat back there, my arms crossed, and when worship started, I was like, hey, that's stupid. And people were like, hey, that's right. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's good. I was like, yeah, guess what? I sing songs, sing off tune, clap, mess people up. And people would be up in the worship team trying to worship God, trying to get a touch from God. But what's happening is my heart was hardened. And I pray tonight that you guys' heart would be softened by the Spirit of God. I pray that would happen. Because, number three, the father kissed his son. He kissed his son. The son came up to him, and could you imagine? He sees his dad running down the road, coming after him. And he comes, and he is just like, okay, he's about to linebacker tackle me, and it's going to hurt. And he's old, so it might hurt him too. So he's coming, he's running. And he flops his arms around him. And he begins to kiss him. He just had a prodigal day. He just did whatever he wanted to, spent all of his money, did the worst things. But it didn't matter to his father. And Jesus is telling this to a bunch of sinners, a bunch of people who have probably done the same things, who could probably defy a prodigal way better than I could. And they're saying, this is God that we've heard about? Can you imagine their eyes getting big and their hearts swelling inside their chest saying, I want that! Because my dad used to beat me. Could you imagine that? I have friends who have been beaten. I still have friends who are beaten because they're parents. And that breaks my heart. But I tell you what, God is not that kind of God. He wants to come up to you and wrap His arms around you. When I was 17 years old, I would never have been able to say that. But I tell you what, hmm, the Father wants to kiss you tonight. Even saying that word, it's like, ooh, I don't know if I could say it because of our generation today. Because all the perversion. And that breaks my heart. Because that's so pure. The Father's kiss is so pure. Because His grace. He said, Jesus was telling the story about this God who is a Father. And he sees his son, and he's running up to him. And you know what? Any of your fathers today, they might run up to him and be like, what are you doing here? You know what I'm saying? But what do you want? He's like, I just want to be a servant, daddy. He's like, okay, put some, uh, I don't know, go fix that over there. Go fix that over there. Hey, you know, while you're at it, clean my shoes. <laughs> Could you imagine that? But instead, God held nothing back. He did not hold back his intimacy. When people come to churches, what do they want? They want God. 
They don't want good music because most of the time the music sucks. Sorry. <laughs> but most of the time it ain't that good. I go lie, unless you go to like IHOP or something like that. Man, then the music's like, oh, Jesus, this is so good. And you get to sing for hours. But you go to youth group on Wednesday night in Richardson, Texas. You're like, okay, David Wyman preached, okay. David Wyman did some singing. All right, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the greatest. Man, that drummer. <laughs> that drummer. <laughs> <laughs> but then the grace comes. I'm armed. But then the grace came. That son is standing there, and his daddy runs up to him, and he puts his arms around him and begins to kiss him. Now hold back a single ounce, not a single ounce of affection. How many of us need that today? I know I do. I know I do. Whenever I was in high school, I used to be a good basketball player. Nowadays, my knees are kind of shaky, and I can't jump as high as I used to be. So... I used to play basketball on the starting team. And every time that I'd go to a basketball game at home, I remember the one day my dad came. He might have came twice, but I think this is only one time. Came to a home game. The place is packed out. We had a, we had a, a court that had a whole side where you had bleachers all up to the wall, up to the ceiling, excuse me. And then on the other side, you had bleachers. And this place is packed out. Well, I came in, and I had my jersey on. I had my rip-off jersey. And we're all running around the gym. And I look up, and my mom always came to my games. She never missed a game. I looked up, and there's my mama. And then next to her is my dad. And those nerves, baby. <laughs> I started getting nervous. Man, started getting nervous. I used to think I was the best basketball player on my team. And that day, I stunk. So I was like, all right, I'm going to play good for my dad. This is the only time he's ever going to see me play. So I get the basketball. The game started. The cheers. Oh, come on, Eagles. That was our mascot, the Eagles. <laughs> really generic. And they're out there like, yeah. And I hear my mom out of everybody. Come on, David. Woo! I was like, oh, Lord. And all my friends would always make fun of me and say, I heard your mama tonight. <laughs> she was loud. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. They're like, but it's cool. I'm like, all right. And my dad's next year. Man, I wanted to show him. I want to show him how I could play basketball. So I'm coming down the court, and we have 10 people on the court, including myself. And I come down. We have the ball. I get the ball. They steal the ball. They run down. They score. I come back down. I try to shoot. Airball, baby. <laughs> I miss more shots than I've ever missed in the game. I tell you, I gave the ball away more than I've ever given the ball away. And at the end of the game, when we lost, people were like, good job, David. You died. I was like, no, I did horrible, but thank you. <laughs> but in my heart, the one thing I wanted was I wanted my dad, I wanted him to come up to me, and I wanted him to wrap his arms around me and say, David, you didn't play very good, but I love you. Keep it up. And I wanted a kiss. I wanted a kiss from my dad. That is the purest form of kissing. Man, I wanted that. But at the end of the game, what happened? I walk out of the gym. And all my friends, you see their dad. You see their mom up to them like, hey, you played horrible. <laughs> you could have done better. And I was the, the leading scorer on my team. So for me to stink, man, I'll tell you what, that's sad. So everybody knew that I did bad. So I walk out and I had shame all over me saying, man, I did not play good. When I walked out, my mom came up to me. She's like, you did good. You did good, son. I'm like, mom, I didn't do very good. She's like, you're right. You did bad. I was like, yes, ma'am. I don't know if she really said that, but she probably would. And then my dad, he was a very quiet man. Nothing against him. But I did not get a hug. And I did not get that kiss. 
And I tell you, today, it does not matter what your earthly father is. I tell you what, Daddy, God in heaven wants to wrap his arms around you and say, look, you did bad, but come on. Keep on trying. Keep on trying. Keep on trying. Because when grace kisses you, you realize that you are no longer scum like this son was. He thought he was nothing. He thought that, man, I'm going to go home and I'm going to be a servant. That's it. But instead, he got a dad, a father who loved him. Because when grace kisses you, you realize who you are again. When grace kisses you, you realize that all these sins, all these sins, all these sins that I kept doing. Man, when I smoked pot the other day, when I cussed the other day, it don't matter what you did. I tell you what, when grace kisses you, man, you feel like you're the best thing ever. You feel like you're the biggest and the baddest. You're like, God, oh, hallelujah. Tonight, even saying when grace kisses you, goes against everything that our society says. It says if a man kisses you, he's a pervert. It's true. He says when your best friend sees your dad kissing you, he's going to think weird thoughts like what is going on? But I tell you, when grace kisses you, everything in your heart, all those things that were saying, you know what? I have such a hurt in my heart that maybe I don't even know. Maybe tonight you're just beginning to glimpse that. I don't know. But I care about you guys. Not because I'm your youth pastor, but because I want to at least be somebody who prays for you. When I go home, I begin to pray for you guys. When I wake up in the morning, I pray for you guys. Throughout the day, I pray for you. Not because I want this place to grow. No, because I want all of you to encounter grace. I want all of you to encounter a touch of God. And that when grace comes, I know it's going to... Just do so much in our lives, so much in your life.